tonight we are continuing with the wellspring of wisdom now last week i spoke to you on the seven types of wisdom but before last week last two weeks i shared with you on vision honestly i didn't finish with a vision but i brought in the seven types of wisdom so i want to go back to the vision and conclude on the vision so that you can have the complete set on the vision so vision a wise man's pathway to the future for those of you who were here there were two p's i asked you to consider your potential and your your performance your performance is who you are now your potential is who you can become but has not yet become your performance is what you are doing now your potential is what you can do but has not yet done okay now i said that you are either so content with your performance that you are not contending for your potential you can never finish unleashing your potential until christ comes so there shouldn't be a time in your life where you are content with what you have achieved every achievement is a stepping stone for a greater and better achievement are you here with me every achievement is a stepping stone for a greater and a better achievement so everything you have done is only an example of what you can do this church is an example of one million churches i can build are you here Accra business school is a reflection of a harvard business school i can build so it's only a stepping stone not a settling stone if your last achievement impressed you so much you are only burying your potential or in life you are so discouraged with your performance that you are not descending your potential sometimes you look at your performance and you feel you are a useless person you feel you amount to nothing but that should not be the case i want to show you something so i discussed with you under vision jeremiah 29 verse 11 for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future so god has plans for you but it's a plan for your future not your past the plan for your future not your past now this future god has for you the only way to get to this future is through something we call vision through something we call vision now proverbs 29 verse 18 says where there is no vision the people perish the hebrew word translated vision here is the word chazown now it means it means or quazon quazon or quazon quazon now it means it means divine communication so where there is no divine communication in this case i'm looking at vision as a christian not as a corporate person but as a christian in the corporate 
um, well, they'll say vision is your desired future image. Okay? But in the church, vision is God's plan for your life. Your ability to have divine communication so that God's plan for your future will be revealed to you. So that you can see the future through the eyes of God. If you see your future through the eyes of man or through your own eyes, you, you, you don't see far. But for a Christian, you look at the future through the eyes of God. Are you here? You look at... And to be able to see that future, you need to have divine communication with God. And the greatest source of divine communication is the Bible. But you see, the Bible you will not understand if you are not spiritual. And one of the keys to spirituality is prayer. So the more you pray, the more you grow in the spirit. The more you grow in the spirit, the more you understand the things of the spirit. And so when you take the Bible you are reading, the Bible is a mirror. It reveals you to you. And that's not only, it does not reveal your performance to you. It reveals your potential to you. What you can do, what you can become, where you can go. Are you here? For your past, when Christ went on the cross, he dealt with it. What is left is your future. If you can't see the future, you can never go forward. And you see it through what? Divine communication. I'm saying that vision in this context is God's plan for your future communicated to you through divine communication. Okay? So I explained this to you the last time I was here. Can I see the next slide? So I said life is a journey into the future. The only way to get there is through vision. It's explained. Now, I came to look at the wise man's journey to the future. How the wise man gets to the future. Don't forget that the wise man is someone who fears the Lord. Okay? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. I explained that the first thing the wise man does is that the wise man envisions. He's able to see the future the way God has planned it for him. Okay, it's important that the next 10 years, so I also, I also said that people with medium minds see only, small minds see only 5 years. People with medium minds see 10 years. People with great minds see 20 years ahead. And if you communicate with God, God can show you the future and tell you what he wants you to become the next 10 years or the next 15 years or the next 20 years. And every morning you wake up, you know that you are waking up into the will of God. When you are stepping out of your house, you know that you are going out to do something that is connected to the will of God for your life. Are you here? So everything you do, you are so confident because you know that this is what God wants you to do. And you see it. God will enlighten the eye of your understanding. So there is an eye of your understanding that God enlightens it and you see the future. It might not be in the form of a, of a vision, but it will be in the voice 
of in, 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 inside. You know, you know, you feel it. You know this is where God wants me to go. Then I also explain that after you envision, okay, after you envision, the next step is provision. Your ability to believe God and trust God to provide for that vision. Philippians 4.19 And my God shall supply all your needs. Now, now, I explained the last time I was talking about this. That there are four ways in which God meets your needs. Okay? I said family, friends, finance, and what? And fathers. Okay? So I explained this to you. God doesn't just meet your need by himself coming. Every need God has met, met, he used people. Okay? He used people to meet your needs. Now, from there, you go to division. Your ability to be able to delegate responsibility and know the people who can really help you to get your vision done. I explained that to you. That is, I'm not teaching this today. But I'm just refreshing your memory. From there, you go to supervision. Leadership. Leadership. Then from there, you go to revision. You have to dream again. You have to see the vision bigger and bigger and bigger. This is how wise people go into the future. Now, I want to ask, but it is not everybody who has a vision... Who is able to go into the future? And I want to show you why. And I want to show you how you can go into the future. How wise people go into the future. So can I see the next slide? No, there is a, there is a runabout design first. Where is that runabout? Yeah, yeah, so why did they live here? Okay, so it was there, but I didn't see it. So they went. Okay. Now, you see that the other one was a highway. A highway where people were, uh, the wise man was going to the future. But there are some people who are going around in circles. Who are going around in circles. When, when, when you are using um, GPS to drive, okay, and it's giving you direction. You don't even know where you are going. And you get to run about. It will tell you exit. Um, the first exit. Uh-huh. First exit. Take the first exit. Or take the second exit. Or take the third exit. Because you are not expected to remain in the runabout. You are expected to exit the runabout. And go forward. So life is not about runabouting. It's about exiting the runabout. And moving forward. Okay. But unfortunately, there are people who are in a runabout. Oh, who are in a runabout? As I told you that life is supposed to be a journey forward. Not a journey backward. It is also not a journey in runabout. You go, sir, if you see somebody running about with a car in a runabout, you think the person is mad. You're likely to draw that conclusion. It is a madman who is driving the car in the runabout. Please, nobody should pass there. He will kill people. And that's the way people see you. Even your children, when they see that, 
since daddy gave birth to me. From a zero, I am now 25. Daddy has not progressed. There's something wrong with this man. You'll look at it like that. I said, there's something wrong with this man. Look at the way he has turned mommy's life. No progress in mommy's life. I believe that every six months, there must be a movement forward in your life. Every six months, you must, you must be able to show evidence of movement. God is not a stagnant God. And he is not a decreasing God. He is ever increasing God. Are you here? Now, everything that is alive grows. If your life is alive, you must grow. You must grow. So, you see, first you envision. But I'm telling you that the easiest among all this is the first one, envisioning. Anybody can imagine a future. Anybody can say, I'll be president. Anybody can say, I'll be president. I'm telling you, out of the 30 million people in Ghana, at least there are about 1 million people who would like to be president. But out of these 1 million people, not even 100 people will get the chance to become district chief executives. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So, the fact that you are seeing something does not mean that that is where God wants you to go or that's where you want to. It is, it is very easy to have a vision. The most difficult is provision. And I met a lot of young people, a lot of young people who have big visions but cannot, they don't have the skills to generate the income and the resources, the resources. They don't have the capacity to mobilize the resources to finance that vision. So they are here. Now, once you move from here, once you envision, and you move from here to here, and you can't mobilize, you cannot mobilize, you will get stuck. So you see, you come here, division, you can't do anything. You keep going, you keep going. By the time you get to revision you are still at the same place so you cannot dream another dream in fact joseph's second dream was greater than his first dream pharaoh's second dream was greater than his first dream and you know when joseph went to pharaoh he said the fact that the dream has occurred to you twice means that the matter is established and it shall happen when the dream repeats itself, it happens. Especially in a better form. So when you are able to move your vision to where you re-envision. Are you here? So we started as Strategic HR Services Limited. And then I re-envisioned. And then we became African Center for Leadership and Human Resource Development. And then I re-envisioned, I dreamt again. And then we became Pan-African Institute of Governance and Leadership. And then I re-envisioned. And then we became Graduate School of Governance and Leadership. And then I re-envisioned, we became Amont Institute. Then I re-envisioned, then we became Accra Business School. And there are people around me who say, Daddy, we are changing our names too much. Can we maintain this and keep this for a long time? And then I ask them, anytime I change our name, do we progress or we retrogress? 
is, is the, do we progress or we retrogress? Then they said, Mommy said this one don't change it because mommy is sentimental. I am not. There's a difference between being spiritual and being sentimental. You can fall in love with a business that is not growing and still fall in love with it. A creator tailoring shop. And it's not going anywhere. And then somebody can say, No, I don't think that the tailoring shop where it is, hey, this is where I was born, this is where I grew up. I want to maintain it like this. When you become sentimental about something, you are finished. People who dream are not afraid of change. Visionaries are not afraid of change. I'm not afraid of change. So now, I want to show you in the next few minutes how so let's go. 12 ways visionaries roam up their journey to the future. So you have the vision alright, but you must learn how to get into the future with your vision. I've shown you the way to the future, but how do you get there? How do you get there? Number one, number one, check your roadworthiness. Check your roadworthiness. Answer the questions. Am I ready for the journey? Do I have the capacity for the journey? And are you adequately prepared? Am I adequately prepared for the journey? The fact that you have a car, that's not mean the car can go everywhere. And anywhere. Are you aware of that? You can have a car that you can bluff on the sprinter's road with that car. But if they ask you to go to the north, that car will break down at Kuforidia. Or in Samoa. Okay? So, so you, can, you can bluff on the sprinter's road and bluff everywhere. But when the journey becomes longer, you must not sit down and say, can this car travel? And you must be honest. If this car cannot travel, I need to prepare it very well. Do I have to change the engine? Or how to get rid of this car and buy a new car? Your car must be roadworthy or else you will kill yourself. Most of the... Right, right, um, this, do you know that accident this year, the first three months of this year, accidents has killed more people than coronavirus. Yeah, and most of these accidents are caused by drivers who are driving cars that their tires are worn out, that they don't even have brake lights, that their brake itself has a problem and they have tied it somewhere to change their gears, eh? Before they can change one. So the, road, the car itself is not roadworthy and they are in the, this thing. Let me show you something. When I decided to have a university, I realized I was not roadworthy. I didn't have the capacity to run the university. I gave myself seven years to build capacity. Seven years to build capacity. You see, a man of vision, a wise man is very patient. He doesn't rush. You are pursuing a vision. You are moving towards a certain destination. What is the need to rush listen i'm i'm traveling with my guys we are going to kumase they say after daddy after this your car we can get to kumase in less than three hours two and a half hours but when you check on the listing they say four hours 
I tell them, please, it's four hours. We are going four hours. You understand? We are going four hours. Sometime ago, we're in Takrade. I sent you there and some people to come to Akra and do something for me. I just slept two hours. I got up. I called them. Where have you guys reached? Oh, daddy, we are in Accra already. Hey, what happened? Four hours in it, you're already in Accra. But you see, life is not a rush. If you have a vision and you have a dream and you are pursuing, you don't rush, you don't compete. You take your time to build your capacity. So that when you hit the road, nothing will stop you. Nothing will stop you. Sometimes, the reason why your vision did not last is because you did not prepare yourself adequately for it. You don't prepare yourself adequately for it. The fact that you have money does not mean that you should go and rent shops and start saloon when you don't know anything about saloon, saloon management. So you go and do because somebody is doing it, the person is succeeding. So you also go and put your money inside and now you are in trouble. Are, are you here with me? Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? So first, check your road readiness. Prepare yourself adequately for your vision. Listen, life is not going to end tomorrow. Don't rush. One of the major keys to success is patience. Your ability to wait. Patience. Wait. Wait. Prepare yourself adequately before you step out there. Are you ready? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Okay. Now, number two. Why people read the road signs when they are journeying forward? Years ago, they interviewed some truck truck drivers. And they showed them the road signs. And then sharp reverse curve, no? So they show somebody, what is this? Oh, this one is snake. We know what? We know what? They show the school building. No, that school is there. What is this? The person said, oh, this is Choba. So why are we not going to get more people dying of accident in three months? Because they are illiterate driving our, uh, our people on the street and they can't read. How can somebody who cannot write his own name pass a driving test? Or the driving test, they do it in three. Organ. No, no, maybe, maybe I'm ignorant. Or when you go to the driving test, you just say, okay, if you can't write, if you can't write, we'll ask you orally in your language. So, Dagbani, or Hausa, or Frafra, or Gan, or Ewe, or Igbo, or Yoruba. So, those who cannot read and write, how do they pass? Are you here? Now, in life, the greatest illiterates in life are not those who cannot read the writings in the book, but those who cannot read the writings on the walls. That the, every writing on the wall predicts a future. And that's why it is. Road signs predict a future. Every road sign tells you what you should expect ahead. If you ignore the road signs, you will die.
Now, the reason why I was patient to build my capacity was because I looked at some people who had started companies and didn't have the capacity to run it themselves. How other people took over and destroyed it for them. So I said, I am not going to invest my future into some, put my future into somebody's hands. Let me be patient and develop myself and build myself. When I get to where I can read the road signs, I will start the journey. I told you how, when years ago, I'll be traveling, traveling far away. Now, when I'm traveling far, I don't drive. But I'll be driving myself. I see small boys come. And my car is newer, stronger, nicer. I was even a young man. I've seen a place where they are rating 50 kilometers per hour. And I reduced my speed to 50 kilometers per hour. And you see these small boys. Blow one behind me. Pa, 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 pa. Go, go, go. Pa, pa, pa. I don't mind them. They come and pass by me. They look at me. I didn't even have gray. They look at me and say, old man. And then they go. In most cases, either they are caught by the police, and then I get there, I roll my glass, say, young man. <laughs> then I pass. Or they've gone to get an accident. Of course, accidents, you can't use to tease them. So I wave them. <laughs> and I pray for them. And I go. Most accidents you are having in life is because you can't read the road signs. And even if you read them, you don't obey them. Everybody is a sign for you. The pastor who had the potential but did not commit himself to hard work and failed is a sign for me. That the fact that I have the potential to become a great pastor does not mean that I can lie in bed and become. The husband who cheated on the wife and lost his job. Because when you don't keep to your covenant, your marriage covenant, you are attacked and lost his job. It's a sign for me that be faithful to your wife. No, in my, in my life as a pastor, I have seen that almost every unfaithful man suffers. I know. I know men who were doing very well in their job started getting money, started cheating on their wives, and lost their jobs. Because marriage is a covenant. When you make, when you keep the vows of the covenant, you attract blessings. When you break it, you get curses. I have seen men who gave birth with different women in their old age, when they were lying down in their um, in the hospital looking for medicine, drug. Not that the children could not afford it. But the children say, this woman's children must bring money. We also bring money. No, one person from the other woman's children could buy it. But they feel, no, 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 no. Let all of us bring the money. And the man is lying down, dying. Let all of us. These are road signs. It should tell you that if we're your man, and you are born in here, going here and doing these things, it will come back to haunt you. I mean, Solomon's life should be a road sign for you. That even the wisest man when you, he gets into sexual immorality, he becomes a foolish man. No, no, no. The first man. God created fell because of a woman. Hmm? I'm telling you, it's a, it's a fact. It's not a fact. 
It's a fact. But I'm not saying this as in a negative connotation to women. But I'm saying it as a fact that if you're a man, you are not disciplined, you can fall. The strongest man on earth, Samson, did not fall because of a woman. And all these things are examples. So road signs are examples. That should tell you what is ahead. Are you here? Good. Number two, number three, number three, they identify the road markings. Every person that has progressed in life knows his lane. Knows his lane. Every person. Hey, the road markings on the road tells you where you should, you should, you should move your car. You cannot move your car in between the road. It puts you in a lane. So if there are even six lanes and you enter into one lane, you know you must stay in that lane. And then once you are in the lane, there are places that the mark shows that you cannot overtake. And there are places where it allows you to overtake. When you are at where you cannot overtake and you, take, you decide to overtake, you die. That's why you must know when to compete and when not to compete. That's why you must not worry when somebody is in front of you. Because you must be where you cannot overtake. But if you are patient and you get to where you can overtake, you will overtake. So, wise people know these things. That the journey to the future, there are things you must follow. When you were in Bible school, I was one of the poorest. My mates had cars. They were, oh, I was struggling. As if I would not amount to anything. But I was cool. Today, today, I am far ahead of most of them. When the time to overtake came, I didn't even have to struggle to overtake. I didn't even see I was overtaking. Until they blew their horn and I realized that they were behind me. Are you here with me? Do you understand what I'm teaching you? So listen, understand God's purpose for your life. Pursue that God's purpose without any distraction. Well, if you don't understand God's purpose and you are not pursuing it, anything is attractive for you. Anything is attractive. You go for anything, but you get nothing. So know your lane. Stay in your lane. Sometimes you ask yourself, okay, was there a boat when he was running? The man is very fast. Why didn't he run 400 um, meters? He knows that my heart is good for 100 meters. If I try 400 meters, I'm an away. So he did between 100 and 200 meters. And he was a champion. You cannot be one Ghanaian boxer, I've forgotten his name. But the guy was rising, was rising. And because he wanted money, they came to convince him. Somebody was on an undercard on a certain boxing tournament. And the, the person got injured and withdrew. And he was asked to go and fight. I think he was featherweight or lightweight, something weight. And he was asked to move higher to go and fight. When they would give him money, they would give him money. He didn't remain in his lane. He went into that fight. He was beaten very well and never got the opportunity to fight again. His whole future was destroyed. Because he didn't remain in his lane. 
Lampard was doing well in the championship. And then when he got a Chelsea job, people advised him, Lampard, it's too early. The championship is different from the premiership. In the premiership, there are red devils and cockerels. Stay in the championship. They are guns. Gunners. Rebels who have guns, they will shoot you. Don't come. The guy didn't listen. The only team that is good is blue in color because the color of heaven is blue. Lampard, take your time. He didn't listen. Came in there. Today, you can't even hear of him. It's possible. Who is going to hire you? If they gave you 250 million and you didn't do anything with it, who hire you again? But you see, the key for me, the greatest key to success as a wise person is the discovery of God's purpose for your life and deciding to live that purpose irrespective of the cost of that purpose. Okay? And ignoring any form of attraction. Mm -hmm. Number four. Wise people observe the traffic lights. Establish your own code of ethics. Play by the rules. And then play it safe. The purpose of the traffic light is to ensure that when you get to an intersection, you stop. You see, it is not very easy to be giving orders. I mean, you have this nice guy, you are driving, you are the biggest guy in the community. Nobody can stop you. Then you get there, it's not even a human being, just a light. Pim, red. You are caught, you are there. You can't go anywhere, you are just... But a wise person knows that this red sign means that there's a danger coming if I cross. Let me wait here. See, if you can't take instructions and you cannot submit to authority, you cannot succeed in your journey. That traffic light there is put there by an authority that is telling you, don't go. Are you here? Sometimes you can sit in a car with people. Then the right just comes out. Red just comes out. And they say, go, 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 pass through, pass through, pass through. Hey, don't let anybody urge you on to do the wrong things. Okay? Keep to rules and regulations. Obey them. Sometimes the Spirit of the Lord that will serve as a traffic light for you. The Spirit of the Lord will tell you, don't go. Don't move. Just stay. But people will tell you, go, 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 go. And sometimes you feel that everybody else is going. And if I don't go, they, they, I will be embarrassed. So I have to also go. But the Spirit of the Lord will be speaking to you. One of the things I've noticed about wise people is that their ability to remain the odd ones. Everybody is doing this. But I'm the odd one amongst them. It doesn't matter. Let them just do whatever they want to do. If you are truly following the purpose of God for your life, as a wise man, you will always, at one point in your life, become the odd one out. 
Are you here? Wise people are independent in their thinking, independent in the things they do. Don't be compelled by anybody to act like them. Are you here? You are very unique. You are different. You are not like them. And if you want to succeed there, pursue that difference. Everybody wants you to be like them. In fact, as we sit here in this room, there is nobody who doesn't like himself. And actually, they feel that they are the best. And you must be like them. But guess what? You are the best. Okay, number five. They forecast the T-junctions. They forecast the T-junctions. They forecast the T-junctions. They know when to think on their feet and make effective and efficient decisions. Our, our hometown is a hilly place. When you are driving on that place, you are always looking for a driver who has used there before. So, for instance, if somebody is going to Ebury or you are going to Latte, especially the Latte Mountain is a bit more dangerous and a bit steepy. The first thing they will ask you is, have you ever driven on that road before? Well, if you have not driven on that road before, the chances are that you will get accident. Your car will fall. They want to find out, have you driven on that road before? Well, if you have driven on that road before and you know the road, you can predict where the curve is, etc., etc. If you die driving me to Kumase, I can sleep. But he's driving me through the roads. He knows where all the potholes and things are. We are, we are following people who are ahead of us. They are speeding. And then they get to Suhum where that doing when they hadn't done the road. And then they enter into the rough place. And then Judah will say, he doesn't know the road. This guy doesn't know the road. But he coming, he could predict that danger there. He could predict it. You see, life always doesn't give you just a straight route. Sometimes you get to the T-junction and you have to make a decision whether to turn left or right. But hey, you must know that T-junction and make that decision before you get there. Those who think ahead, go ahead. Are you here? Before they think, you should have thought. You must think ahead to be able to stay ahead. That's what wise people do. Predict the future. Know where you are going. See the future. See where the mountains are. See where the valleys are. And prepare adequately to get there. I predicted where I would be at the age of 50. And now I predicted where I want to be by the age of 60. Nothing takes me by surprise. Nothing does. Are, are you here with me? That, that, that is why, you see, you see, Everything around us tell us how we should lead our lives. Today, if you are making any journey, all you have to do is to take the GPS. And if you know how to read the GPS, it will even tell you where there's traffic. It will tell you where the traffic is dangerous. When it shows you yellow, it means there's a traffic, but it's not too. When it shows you red, there's serious traffic. And then it will tell you the alternative routes that you should use. But do you know that some people who would sit in the car and travel and get into traffic on the Sprinters Road, and yet they have a smartphone, 
When if coming from home, they are keyed in where they were going, the GPS will show them Nungwa is less busy. Use there. Or Sprinters is less busy. Use there. But these people will not even check that thing and they will start their journey, get to the Sprinters road, get locked up in traffic and start calling people, please, I'll be running late. And you want your lateness to make everybody late. Nobody will tell you. They'll tell you that you're not smart. You're not wise because you could have predicted this traffic by just looking at what you have. And that's how life is. There are certain problems you get in life at a certain age. And a certain, at a certain age, people don't expect you to be contending with certain problems. They expect you to have overcome them. How do you do it? Prediction. The wise people can predict the future. Are you here with me? Good. Next, number six. They have strong shock absorbers. They are strong shock absorbers. One of the graces I have is my capacity to go through difficult times, how to endure hardship. No journey is easy. If the cars have mouth to talk, they will tell you. But what keeps your car going? The what you call shock absorbers. You hit into a pothole and the shock absorbers, you don't feel it because of the shock absorbers. When we came to Sprinters Road, I had a five-year plan hanging on my wall. By this time, I'll do this. By this time, I'll do this. By this time, I'll do this. By the tenth year, I've not even done the first one. I was still struggling to find a place for the church to worship. I was still going to preach to eight people, two people, three people. And I've left everything to come here with my wife. What kept us going? Shock absorbers. I was shocked. I was shocked that this thing, planting a church on your own is not easy. But I had strong shock absorbers. I survived it. I told you about a cousin who came to me and said they were watching me on TV. And the mother said, ah, it's your affair. This is your brother. And you are suffering like this. Go and see him. So this pastor came to me and said, ah, I was watching the TV with my mom. We came on. And my mom said, ah, this is your brother. And you are suffering. Go and see him. So he came. So I've come. My brother, I've come. Give me a job to do. I have come. I said, but where have you come from? So, my senior pastor took me to Togo. I don't speak the language of the people. And I was there suffering. They were not sending me money. Oh, my brother, I suffered though. So I left and came. I left. I couldn't suffer like that. I left and came. How long did you stay there? Two years. I said, my brother, sit down. I said, whilst I was studying in Germany, a friend of mine, a white American, said he was born in Africa. I asked him, how were you born in Africa? I said, my father was a, was a, a pilot and was flying missionaries into jungles to reach unreached people in jungles. So the father, who is a Christian pilot, took one year off his job to join a missionary team called the Mission Aviation Fellowship to fly missionaries into jungles. So this is a mission team that is made up of pilots and they themselves have acquired smaller planes that can fly. So they go into a jungle in the hinterland and then they create a landing strip and fly missionaries there. And say his father was there flying missionaries, supplying them to fly to the city 
and get drugs and bring it, fly to the city and buy um, food stuffs and bring it. So he said they stayed in the jungle for two years. I said, so why were you in the jungle for two years? They were learning the language of the people to translate it into, translate the Bible into their language. So they went on a two-year mission, learned the language of the people, and translated the language, the, the Bible, into their language before they left, within two years. I said, brother, you were not sent there to go and translate Bible. You were there for two years yourself. So I told him this story. You were there two years. You did not learn their language. And you are using the language barrier as an excuse. Okay, no problem. Then I also said, brother, when I came to Sprinter's Road, the first five years, the way I suffered, if I had left Sprinter's Road, you would not have seen me on TV to come to me. I said that what I did not do, I will not finance. The lifestyle I will not lead, I will not finance. I said, you can't join my church. You have a wrong attitude. I can't pay you. He went, came back again and said, okay, if you don't even join me, if you don't even pay me, I'll join the church. So he was putting pressure on me now. To see your cousin coming around and I said, then he came to join the choir. A pastor came to join the choir by force. They will call the choristers, I'll see him climbing up. I said, hey, this man, you have meant it, pal. Then after a while, he came to me and he said, oh, he has asked that whose building is that then having have some buildings I have not completed. They say, it's your uncompleted building, but I have moved into one. I want to be closer to you and serve you. He was beside me in an uncompleted building, beside me. I said, you have resolved to disturb me. I have also resolved not to mind you. Hang around. He stayed there. He was in the church for two years. One day, I didn't see him in the choir. I didn't see the wife at church. I said, where are these people? They have gone. They have gone. Listen, if you are not ready to pay the price for your vision, forget it. Forget it. Every good thing has a price tag. If you don't pay it, you won't get it. If you are not ready to endure hardship, ask Esau. The downfall of Esau was that he couldn't endure hardship for one day. It's not every hardship God will take away. In some of them, he will tell you, endure it. It is drawing endurance of the hardship that he prepares you and trains you for the next three, for the next part of the journey. Are you here? So endure hardship. It is part of the journey. Any pastor who will tell you, I have not, I have not I have never ever been hungry before. He hasn't seen the wilderness before. That pastor, his level is different. He said, that about pastor. He said, the old one, the, the, this thing, the isolated case. Because God has a university, one university called the University of Hashem. And has different departments. He has the department of the wilderness, the department of the lion's den, the departments of the fairy finance, the department of the valley. <laughs> so that's God, God University is called the University of Hashem. Ask Moses, he, he graduated from there. <laughs> Daniel graduated from some. Joseph graduated. There's a department called the Department of Prison. 
you ask Paul, he graduated from there. There's a department called the Department of Beatings. The disciples graduated from there. All the disciples were beaten, were harassed. They all graduated from there. Are you here? You must have the capacity to endure hardship. Or else you don't amount to anything, no. You won't get to anywhere. I told you when we came to Spinters Road, at one point, mommy's hair was just falling. Didn't have money to go to Salon. A woman who has not been to Salon for three months, her hair was just falling. During those days, too, she could, we could only afford, afford permit. So she go and do permit. The following, I think permit, every one week, you have to go and do it. Eh? Every one week, you have to go and wash it. You can't say, there's no money. There is no money. Her hair was just falling. Her hair was just falling. But every evening, she was leading praise. That time, we were having church like something. Almost every evening, we had church. If we didn't have prayer warriors meeting, we had teaching service. If we didn't have teaching service, we had some crazy thing. I can just be there, sir. I said, I just feel like we should pray the whole week. The people will come. We'll just pray. Every time, we had something crazy going on. And this woman would be with me. We would do it. No money. When we don't have money, we convert it into fasting. Instead of starving. And letting people know that we are starving. We're most cases fasting. The day I will see that this week we might not have money. I say, honey, this week we're having one week fasting and prayer. <laughs> and once you set your mind that it's one week fasting and prayer, you don't feel hungry. You are fasting, you are praying. And one day I'll look for our pictures, I'll show it to you. You cry for us. Some legge legge, me too. I'm just there. See us. When you see us on the Spinters Road, you think that these people are rejected. But we were in a university, the University of Hashem. And we're in the department of the wilderness. All our friends have rejected us. They have listened. But we survived it. We survived it. So, brother, listen. It is not every difficulty you are going through that is from the devil. Don't give the devil too much credit. Don't give him the too much credit. Sometimes God takes you through it. In fact, next month, um, May, our theme is sufficient grace. Sufficient grace. Sometimes God does not take you out of the problem, but He gives you sufficient grace to survive it. There have been times where I've gone to God. I've said to God, Father, give me sufficient grace. I don't ask Him, Father, solve this problem. I say, Father, give me sufficient grace. I just need sufficient grace. I just need sufficient grace. Are you here with me? Okay, number seven, they have spare parts. Make alternative arrangements. If something is not working, this is the only thing that you must spend all your time on. You are going out with the girl. Let's come to church. She won't come. There's a signal that this girl, if you marry her, she will worry you. She's not the only girl available. I've met people who will say, if I don't marry you, I'll die. Oh, a girl came to me for counseling. We're there in Odoko. And mommy was with me. Then the girl said that that's a fiancé, a young man she's in love with, but the young man wants to leave her. And then she was talking, she was talking. While she was telling me all the story, my intention was to tell her, forget about her, him. Don't follow this. And then she concluded the whole story and said, Daddy, help me. If I don't marry this man, I will die. 
So when she finished, I said, kneel down. Lay my hands on her. I didn't offer any counseling. I laid my hands on her. I said, Father, help her not to die. <laughs> I asked for more life for her. Well, I knew the story she was telling me. The man will not marry her. But if I tell her, she won't agree. So give her sufficient grace. Give her wisdom. Amen. I didn't even say in the name of Jesus. I said, Amen. Then when she left, mommy said, Oh, I don't know, why didn't you say anything? I said, What I'm going to tell the person will kill her right now. Was I'm going to ask her, Stop chasing that man. You are being foolish. But she has concluded that if I don't marry him, I will die. If I tell her, Don't marry, she will, he will marry you, she will die here. Military, the man did not marry her, she did not die. Listen, there are even some of you who are married to men who are bluffing you and they are causing you pain. Ignore them. One of the things that hurts men eh, is when they are bluffing you and you ignore them. God, men want you to depend on them. When they see you are not depending on them and you are ignoring them. I'm not saying don't cook for them. Oh. I'm not saying don't cook for them. But I'm, or don't do what you're supposed to do as a married woman. But I'm saying that don't cry when it goes out and comes late. It makes him feel good. You think that crying, crying on him will make him change. Ha! Ah. There are some men, eh, your tears, they are, they are like water cement. The more you put water on it, the stronger it gets. <laughs> water cement men, forget them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, waterproof. So your tears don't move them. Oh. You're not crying and your tears don't move them. Ignore them. Let them know that they are not the most important thing in your life. Christ is. You have children to take care of. Your children are more important than them. Ignore them. You see, they themselves one day they'll come and say, Oh, is everything all right? Because <laughs> they are surprised that you have not cried for three months. Now they are feeling that, no, this marriage is no longer like it used to be. This marriage is no longer like it used to be. You are going to kill yourself because of somebody's son. So that your mother will lose a daughter. And then, and then his mother will have a son. And the other man, no, no. It's infatuation. It's foolish love. So I'm telling you. Ignore the Delilahs too. Don't let them put pressure on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. What a hard saying. What a hard saying. What a, that's why this church is a good church. They will tell you, pamper your husband, say this to him, and lie down like this on him. And there are some men, eh? There are some men. If he's a bad man, he's a bad man. He was already doing it before you. Okay? And you are, it's not going to change because you have come. As I tell young people, eh, young ladies, any man who wants to sleep with you before he marries you, know that that man will be sleeping with other women after he's married you. And when Tiff Tiff got the laugh, I'm telling you, when you are crying because he sleeps with other women, God will also be telling you, you are my daughter. When he was sleeping with you, I was crying. 
Now he's sleeping with Satan's daughter. You are crying. All of us, they cry now. I cry. I wipe my tears. Now you, they cry. You and him came together to disobey me. Now you think that he will obey me alone? No. Give them a run for their money. Let me close, please. Okay, number eight. They identified the rest stops. Now, 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 this, this is where I am guilty. Every wise person knows when to rest. What did the mommy say? McDonald's, yeah. Go there and rest. Find something. You know when you are traveling around Europe, you see McDonald's on every corner. So that KFC, all those things, you see them there. And they, they, how long must you drive before you rest? Like every four hours or every two hours. So you see when you are going with STC, STC, we are traveling to Kumasi STC. When they get to Nkoko, that's two hours. They stop. Everybody should go and weary and eat. And you see people have stopped. They go. The other two will get down. 15 minutes. Stretch your leg. Rest before you move on. Do you know that the more tired you get, the less efficient you become? And do you know that stress reduces your years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And makes you ineffective. So you must know when to rest. I am not encouraging laziness. That's what I'm encouraging. You have just traveled 30 minutes. You say you want a rest. Hey, no. Travel two hours before you demand rest. You must show proof that you have made input before you demand rest. I knew a pastor was living close to us when we were living by the roadside. He comes every morning to go and see his wife off, take a car to work. And then when he's passing, he comes to my place, come and read newspaper. After reading newspaper for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or one hour, he will tell me, well, I'm tired, I'm going to rest more. Every day, every day. So I asked, one day, I was asking myself, why? Has he been having sex throughout the whole night? Because you just woke up and came to see your wife off. And you came to my place for one hour and you were tired. Every day, every morning, the man, and the man will be yawning. And you see. There was also a, a, a friend of mine. At that time, Kevin was a baby. And I was living in a mission house. So the office was there. So mommy, when mommy goes to work, stay in the mission house with Kevin. And a friend used to visit me every day. He would come whilst I'm in the office doing counseling. He would enter into our room. He had some chair there. Every day he comes, by the time you go, he's sleeping. Today, eh, he has pastored for over 40 years. But he's one of the poorest men I've ever seen. Don't joke, don't joke with laziness. I'm not talking about laziness. I'm talking about somebody who has labored, deserve rest. Are you here? Fantastic. Number nine. They know the service, station, service stations. Know when to refuel. Know when to change your oil. Know when to refill yourself. Know when to come before the Lord. And know, Lord, I am empty. I want to be refueled. I think in June, we should do a program called refueled. We would have done 
50% of the year. So we come before the Lord to refuel ourselves. You're already doing Arise and Build at the end of this month, and everybody must be part of it and pray. Unless you want your life to collapse. But if you want to rebuild your life, it is time to pray. It's time to come before the Lord, wait upon him, pray, and rebuild your life. Okay, but what is important is Rufuel. Please, go and check. I think there's a, somebody in the washroom. Oh, I didn't ask plenty of people like that. Are you here? You should know when you feel that the oil on your head is gone dry and come before the Lord for new oil. Number 10, they obey the speed limits. I want to give you an example. Please note and understand that there is no need for you to compete with anybody. Stay within your speed limits. If you, if you were tortoise, don't try to compete with the horse. You all get to your destination. Some get it. And in life, eh, all of us have our lifespan. Oh. Some people will live up to 80. Some people will live up to 40. So if the person who will live up to 40 is successful at 20, why are you worrying yourself? Are you here? David was successful at 30. Moses was successful at 80. Moses lived longer than David. It, the thing looks like the thing looks like delayed prosperity, delayed success is a sign that you will live long. No, I'm telling you. Because you are saying that not yet started. Don't worry, don't put pressure on yourself. But if you know that your laziness is a, your poverty, your failure is as a result of laziness, please hurry up. But if you genuinely know that you have put everything in life and no resources coming, know that God has a purpose for that. And don't rush yourself. Don't overspeed. Don't go and kill yourself. 11, please. Please identify every dangerous part in your life. It is not every, any, everybody who must become your friend. One bad boy, bad friend, will turn your husband into a bad man. That is all. Be careful. Know those who are dangerous. Mommy and I are very sensitive with those things. Mommy can have a friend, and you have gotten a friend, comes to bring the person home. I just look at the person and say, this person is a good person, both their relationship. Like I look at someone and say, this person will give you trouble. So be very careful. Some people, police who can come to my life, and mommy will say, Charlie, I like this man, has a good spirit. Somebody's going to come, and mommy will say, be careful. This person is bringing you trouble. You should be able to. And then these things I share with you, eh, when you build closer relationship with God, you see it works. And finally, the most important of it all, the most important of it all, commit your journey to the hands of God. This is what wise people do. They commit their journey to the hands of God. Can I read this scripture? Then we close. Psalm 37, 5 to 7. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. Is this some of Proverbs? It's Proverbs. So Proverbs, that's Proverbs there. He will make your righteous, he will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn. 
No, this, this is the Psalm 1. Your vindication, like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And do not fret when people succeed in their ways. When they carry out their wicked schemes. Learn to commit your ways to the Lord. And don't look at other people who have succeeded. Your time will come. Be patient. Just have that vision. And believe that God will visit you very soon. God bless you. I'll see you next week. <laughs>